Welcome to Politics and Psychology. I'm Dr. Renee Carr, and please introduce yourself in the chat or on social media. Are you a fascist, Marxist, or socialist? Well, after hearing the real meaning of these words, you might just change your mind. And for this to not be a one-sided or a one-time conversation, please also give your thoughts or questions in the comment section below. Now, over the past few years, people have been throwing around the words fascism, Marxism, and socialism to label and attack any leader, law, commercial, or social media content, or even comment on a blog that they don't agree with. And some people from social media influencers to even politicians are even labeling themselves as these words. But what do these words really mean? And do people know what they're saying when they say this? And do you know what they mean when you're hearing these words? And is it a good thing to be a fascist? Or is it selfish to be a socialist? Well, today I'll briefly explain what each of these means and then you can decide if these labels are being used correctly or if it's the newest way to cause division. And let's start with fascism. So in the origins or in the history of it, it rose around in the um, era between World Wars I and World War II when there was multiple or when there were multiple highly divisive and destructive European movements. And so fascism became a movement itself, and it did so by emphasizing extreme nationalism, militarism, and the supremacy of both the nation and the having of one single powerful leader over the individual citizen. And in some countries, the movement, of course, expanded to the emphasis of one race over another. But in general, in all countries, fascism was and continues to be characterized as a government being a centralized, autocratic government. And by autocratic, I mean that it's a government in which one person possesses unlimited or absolute power. And with that leader having a dictatorial style of government, which means that there was a dictator who was that one person who had the unlimited power. So fascist governments also enforce severe economic and social regimentation. And regimentation is defined as the very strict control over the way a group of people behave or the way something is done. This also is what many people are referring to now as a police state. And what that means is that it's a state government and that government is practicing extreme control over society and extreme control over the individual freedoms of the individuals in that society. And the way that they maintain this control is usually by physical force or violence, or they might even use laws or sending a person to jail as a way to suppress any opposition to that dictator leader or the autocratic centralized government. And they also have a strong belief in fascism that anything that comes against national unity must be destroyed and destroyed by, again, any means necessary. So for anyone who describes themselves or someone else as being fascist, what they are really saying is that they or the other person supports having a government that uses physical force, violence, or prison to stop anyone or any group that opposes or speaks against the government or against the dictator or against there being an absolute power and control or against the nation. And this um, is accompanied with specific behaviors. And so when you look at the behaviors of fascism, 
then what you'll see is a hyper nationalism. You might even have like a cult-like following of the leader who is the dictator. And there will also be a group or a nation nationwide emphasizing that the belief that this leader is going to save the nation or will save at least a select group of people in that nation. And those people are usually the ones who believe most in the unity of that nation or in that leader. It also focuses on having a fear of a white population decline, meaning Caucasian Americans, or having a fear of anti-white racism and discrimination. Fascism beliefs also include the belief that inequalities do not exist and that no race has any privilege over any other race. Fascism also promotes anti-feminism and anti-left ideologies that inequalities exist. Now, although, you know, a lot of things that I'm saying, we can kind of see and imagine a person that um, may exhibit these behaviors or beliefs. In actuality, there's been no full-fledged fascist movement that has existed since World War II. Now, although it's becoming more and more common for Americans to accuse America of being fascist government, please understand that these terms are being used incorrectly and in a way that is divisive. For example, there was a lot of call for America to stop moving toward a fascist government during the COVID-19 pandemic. They were using the terms fascism when they were having um, stay-at-home orders, vaccine mandates, social distancing mandates, or even the requirement to wear a mask were seen as a social control. It was also considered fascism in the past two or three years to go against any environmental regulation, meaning how you drive your car or monitoring the emissions in your car when there was legislation aimed at curbing greenhouse gas emissions. So just more and more Americans have started to use the word fascism incorrectly and they're using it to mislabel someone or mislabel something that they believe is controlling their lifestyle. It's also being used incorrectly to describe any kind of far right or violent minority race group. And even the existence of the group, the modern day group of activism called Antifa, it's mislabeled. And it's mislabeled because Antifa is short for anti-fascism. But in America, there really is no true fascism that exists. And when you look at the origin of the term Antifa, it first appeared in 1930, when there was indeed the presence of fascist governments. It was created in the early 19th century by anyone who opposed fascism governments or who described themselves as anti-fascist. And so that's where Antifa came from, from short, for short. It was originally a German term. Um, now in our modern day use of the label, however, please understand that it is incorrect. And not only is this an inaccurate label given to the self-proclaimed modern day group of Antifa, but it's also frequently used to mislabel any person or any group that protests or otherwise opposes racism or any far right ideology or political opponent. Now, common faces of the true fascism include Adolf Hitler, Benito Mussolini, Francisco Franco, and Oswald Mosley. Now let's move on to Marxism. 
Marxism is the social, political, and economic theory developed in the 19th century by Karl Marx, and Marx was a German philosopher and economist. And what he believed is that the factory workers were treated unfairly and they were being oppressed by the factory owners and that during this time, which was the Industrial Revolution era, that more and more factories were being built only to exploit the working class and to do so for the benefit of the wealthy persons in power. And Marx described the production industry as a capitalist system in which society is basically divided into the haves and the have-nots, and we still hear that argument today. And what he considered the haves were the ownership class, and the have-nots were the working class. And the working class, as Marx presented it, they represent the majority of the population, and only a few individuals within that population were actually owners. So you were having very few controlling the very many and doing so in a way that was exploitive of the workers. And how Marx proposed to reduce those inequalities was to end capitalism. Now in economics, capitalism is defined as the organizing of the production industry in such a way that the business owners called the capitalists, and they're called the capitalists because they own the capital, meaning they have the production, the factory, the tools and machinery, the raw materials, the final product, and even the profits from their sales. So they're called the capitalists because they have the capital. And he called the workers the labor. And he viewed the workers as being exploited for wages and having no ownership stake and no share in their profits. And that the only reason why the wealthier persons were able to maintain their wealth is because they did so on the backs of the working class or the laborers. And he also went on to say that in order to maximize profits, business owners have to get the most possible work out of their laborers while paying them the lowest possible wages. And because those living conditions resulting from those low wages were so poor that the poor were also plagued with health problems and early death, and also having a generational pattern of poverty. And so what Marx claimed is that if this wasn't changed by the elimination of capitalism, that the workers would eventually have a revolution and they would do that to force the change and removal of capitalism. And he also said that this revolution was not just going to happen, but that it needed to happen. So what Marx believed is that the wealth of the ownership class was used to influence social institutions such as the government, media, academia, organized religion, and of course the banking and financial systems. And that although the wealth was using this to influence the system, it was not only into their favor for their personal financial benefit, but they were also doing it to suppress or create a system of suppression and oppression of the poor so that the poor could never have any opportunities or access themselves to capital to then become owners. And so what Marx called for is for not only the end of the capitalist system, but for it to be ended and replaced with a communist system. So if you think about communism, like, oh, that might sound kind of going backwards, but what he envisioned as communi communism was having the core characteristic of rejecting private ownership and calling for people or the government 
to collectively own and control the production and the distribution of all goods and services within that country and to end worker exploitation. And so it was these ideas that Karl Marx had about economic equality that laid the groundwork for the theory and the practice of communism, but it ended up, of course, being twisted. So is Marxism the same thing as communism? No, it's not, because communism is an actual system of government, whereas Marxism is only a philosophy. And it just so happened that the communist governments use or will manipulate Marxist principles to their advantage. So whereas Marxism sought equality in ownership and profits for all citizens and where it wanted the government to own the production, not as a way to take away power from the people, but so that there can be a consistent source of authority that would then equally distribute the resources, opportunity, and wealth. So what communism did was it took those principles, leveraged it, and twisted it so that it became a dictatorship where there was indeed control by the government, but no longer for the benefit of the people. In fact, it became a single party government system where anyone who opposed communism was either punished, killed, or jailed. The communist system also would then control the production, meaning it determined how long a person would work and then how much a person must produce. And it didn't really care anymore about equality and a life of thriving. It cared more about just controlling the resources and controlling the profits. And this is significantly different from the vision of Karl Marx's philosophy of communism. And what Marx actually spoke of was a utopian socialism in which all citizens thrived. And so obviously we can see that this is different. Marx also advocated that the exploitation of the working class is what made them more vulnerable, as I said, to poverty, disease, and early death. And because of this, he called for free health care and free education for all citizens. So if you look at our current society, when a person or a political party is against Medicaid or the Affordable Care Act, or even against free education from kindergarten through 12th grade, then they might use or misuse the term Marxism or communism from how it was originally created, and they then use it as a, an attack or as a slur to then create a negative emotional response within you or whoever is listening to their complaints. So similar to Marx's original philosophy, socialism calls for a more egalitarian distribution of wealth, solidarity among workers, better working conditions, and common ownership of land and manufacturing equipment. So again, socialism, like Marxism, rejects capitalism in favor of a greater equality and greater economic power given to the working class and the end of the working class being exploited. Socialism also emphasizes public ownership and regulation of production, but although it does emphasize public ownership and regulation through the government. It does also give allowance for citizens to own property, unlike with communism. Socialism also allows for a capitalism in some parts of the economy so they could have part ownership. With the production of goods and services, 
then either being partially or fully regulated or owned by the government. This is what is called central planning. The socialist government also has a planned economy or a command economy. And what that means is that the government centralizes and plans, organizes, and controls all economic activities. And they do this with the guise of maximizing the biggest welfare to society and the individuals within it. Um, But it does not allow for the capitalist market forces like supply and demand to determine the prices. So I mean, they control the product, they control the production, and they control the price within the socialist government. So just to review, because I know that was a lot, the primary concern of the socialist economy is an equitable distribution of wealth to ensure that all members of a society have an equal opportunity to attain certain economic outcomes that are fair and just for everyone. But to do this, the socialist government will, one, intervene in the labor market, two, will control production, three, public officials will regulate trade, the flow of capital, and other resources, and four, the state will then become one of the primary employers. So in your state, for example, you might have your state government being the main employer of many of the businesses or economies within communities, counties, or even the state as a whole. Um, And even within a socialist government and a socialist economy, when there are times of economic hardship within that state, then the socialist state will then order private businesses to hire its citizens. And it will ensure that there is no unemployment and it will do so by making, whether it's the state government workers or the private workers, it will ensure that those employers are hiring people and keeping them hired, whether or not they are underperforming and whether or not the work that they're doing has any benefit to the marketplace or marketplace or to that employer. So like with fascism and Marxism, socialism is becoming a popular label in political speeches and social media. For example, after the economy crashed in 2008 and there was a subsequent rise in economic inequalities, then there were a lot of complaints against capitalism and there were calls for socialism to re you know, re-come back into America or to come more popular again. And then in 2016, this call for socialism had increased so much that Senator Bernie Sanders actually ran for president and said that he was a democratic socialist and he received 45% of the democratic primary vote. So if you haven't really heard of the democratic um, socialism, then you may have heard of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And so she won in the 2018 midterm elections, and she was a member of the Democratic Socialists of America. And because President Trump was viewed by many as having a fascist approach to his presidential um, leadership, then after he was elected, the Democratic Socialists of America membership grew from 7,000 members to 50,000. So whether we are clear on the definition of what a fascism government is, what a socialist government is, 
it's still clear that there is residual understanding of what people want to see and what they are willing to fight against. Even if they have to mislabel <clears throat> or miscategorize a person, an opponent, or a movement to kind of get their point across. I don't advocate for that, obviously, but people are misusing these terms on purpose or by accident so that they can have a greater goal in their mind achieved, which is obviously manipulation. But anyway, back to the story. <laughs> So in present day, some would argue that socialism exists in several parts of the American government and economy. For example, socialism, like Marxism, calls for the government to provide for its citizens. And in America, our country provides social security benefits for our senior citizens. So that's still a social benefit from a socialism point of view. We also provide senior citizens with Medicare. And if you are not a senior citizen, but you are of any age, but have low income, we also provide social health insurance in the form of Medicaid. And if we're going to stick with the original definition of socialism, we would have to also say that having public schools and universities instead of only privately owned ones and having community colleges, state owned water supplies and sewers, and government-owned mass transit systems are also part of socialism. You also would have to say that having a municipally, municipally owned and built sports stadium or your recreation center, if you go there for like a community volleyball league or just for their gym, those also would be considered forms of socialism using the original definition of socialism. So what do you think? Have you changed your mind to support or resonate with fascism, Marxism, or socialism? Kind of just like just listening to what you've heard so far. Well, with if you have, then definitely please let me know in the comment section or feel free to DM me. And with this information, not only can you make your personal choice of what you may believe, but you also now have the power and the information to tell if someone else is accusing another person or another campaign party against their own views by incorrectly using these emotionally charged terms. Because if you call someone, oh, you're a fascist or, oh, you're a Marxist, those are very emotionally charged words that people are using incorrectly. And sometimes they're doing it just to get a reaction or they may use it like with Antifa to unfairly describe someone, or they may accurately describe someone, but they're using it out of context. So they might do it just as a way to attack someone or to um, put on blast, or as they say, cancel someone because they disagree with what their own political points of view are. And so they create this very salacious and possibly damaging label just so that they can have their point of view being preferred. So either way, you hopefully can now make your own decision and can know what people are talking about whenever they say these terms in their comments or in their speeches. And you can also use that to continue the conversation. But whenever you do, please remember to do so using science and And if you run too fast,